to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. In this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about common zero mistakes. This is a solo episode, and I'm going to be talking through three main areas. Common mistakes I see related to getting zero set up, common mistakes that relate to the administrative side of zero, and then common mistakes when it comes to reconciling transactions. So let's dive in, and we're first going to talk about setting zero up. Something that I see here is that it's not uncommon for not all of the business bank accounts to be connected into zero. And ideally, Stripe, if you've got a business Stripe, PayPal account, a credit card, all of that will be connected into zero. And what happens if that isn't the case is you'll get partway through the financial year or maybe you get to the end of the financial year and you'll run a set of reports and they think, gee, these numbers just don't look right. And the reason they, they might not look right is because you're missing a whole bunch of transactions from a bank account that has been missed and hasn't been added to zero. So there's a couple of things you can do to help avoid this. Number one is to do a, a little audit of all of your business bank accounts when you're setting zero up. And that way you can cross-check in zero to make sure that every business account has been added and make sure that you are adding PayPal, and if you have, if you're selling in different PayPal currencies, make sure that you've got a separate PayPal account for each currency set up in zero. And then the second thing that helps with that, with this, is having really clear separation between business bank accounts and personal bank accounts. And it's the business accounts that you want to have captured in zero and, and have those bank feeds activated. If you're banking with banks that don't have bank feeds with zero or there's problems with the bank feed and if you if you want to stick with zero then I would consider what bank you're you're working with. Most of the, the major banks don't have any problems but it, it really does cause a lot of headaches down the track if your bank feed does have have errors or have breaks in it. And I'm going to talk more about that in the reconciling section. So the, the number or the second item in the zero setup area is not deciding at the beginning how you're going to manage receipts. And so the problem with this is that throughout the year when you receive a receipt or invoice, you don't really have a clear process on how you're managing that. And so it gets to the end of the financial year when you're forced to take a look at it or your accountant is forcing you to, and then there's a mass cleanup of receipts and, and filing and at that stage, you're probably hoping that you aren't missing any of your receipts or they have been lost during the year. Instead of handling it that way, I recommend that at the beginning, when you're getting zero set up, decide on what your process is going to be. And in, I see businesses use things like Dropbox, Google Drive. From March 2020, HubDoc, which is a receipt management app, is actually going to be included in every zero subscription. So by the time this episode is published, then I'd say that it's, it's going to be included free for everybody. And going forward from that day, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't be using 
Um, Doc and Nessie were, were using a different system and you didn't want to, to switch over. But if you were starting something from scratch, then it would make sense to to start out by using HubDoc as a receipt management tool that integrates really nicely with Zero. It has a fetch feature where it can also extract data directly from the source. So, for example, if your internet provider was was listed as one of HubDoc's suppliers, then you could actually set up HubDoc so that it would fetch the invoice directly from the internet provider and you wouldn't need to save that each month. And once in the HubDoc, that data can then be HubDoc, the, the software will read information like the transaction dollar amount, the description, the supply name, and all of that can be captured into zero. There are, as your business grows, your needs might change and you might need a more powerful or more specific features from a receipt management tool. So I'm not saying that HubDoc is the best solution in every case. But definitely, if you're getting started with zero, then it's included free with every zero subscription. So I think it makes sense to get started with it, and it is a pretty strong tool. Number three, with your zero setup, is not taking the time or not being aware that you can customize the standard chart of accounts that zero comes with. And that chart of accounts is a good guide. And maybe I should actually explain what the chart of accounts is. First, for those of you that may not be aware, when you're when you log into Zero, you'll see that if you're wanting to allocate transactions, for example, you've seen a bank fees line item in your bank seven, in Zero you'll have the opportunity to allocate that to a particular account code. And so you might have an account code called bank fees. You'll have other account codes called things like marketing expenses or revenue. Might have something called property plan and equipment. And each of those accounts together make up the chart of accounts. So the chart of accounts is the big long list of accounts. And the examples that I gave are some account names. And many business owners don't seem to be aware that they can actually customize that chart of account and either create new codes or modify or rename the existing codes. As an example, you may be running Facebook ads and you want to keep that cost and you want to track that in a separate place to how you're tracking general marketing expenses because you're wanting to do some more analysis on that. And so you may actually create a separate account called Facebook ads and then have a, another account called marketing expenses. And that might make sense to you, but it may not make sense to another business owner. And so what I wanted to get across here is that this chart of accounts is for your business and you can customise it so it makes sense. What's important is that the account names make, make sense to you so that you can then allocate transactions consistently to them when you're, when you're at the, the bank reconciliation stage. Now we're going to move into the three biggest administrative mistakes that I see people making in Zero. The first one is not owning your Zero subscription. And it's it's not uncommon for accountants to offer to manage your zero subscription, and that's fine. They might even pass on a discount to you. But where I've seen problems with this is a business owner wanting to change accountants, but then being worried about losing their zero data because it's the accountant that holds the zero subscription. So 
I really see that your business data, which is captured in zero, is your data. And I would recommend owning your own subscription so you never have to worry about having that conversation with your accountant by just trying to own it from day one to, to avoid any uncomfortable conversations or any worries down the track about how you're going to access that data. And most accountants are, are great to work with and there wouldn't be any problems. But the reason I'm suggesting this is more around the worry that I have seen a cause for business owners than anything actually happening or going wrong with not being able to access their data. Second point here is providing user access that is far too broad. And there's different levels of access when you're inviting someone into zero. You can provide access so they can send invoices. You can decide whether they can look at reports or whether they've got access to payroll. And as an example, Joan, who's sending invoices, probably doesn't really need access to your payroll data. And the way I think about user access is I believe in managing it on an as-needed basis. So in this case, if, if Joan was going to be processing payroll, then she would need access to the payroll section in zero. But if all she's doing is invoicing, she probably doesn't need that higher level of access. So that's something I think about each time I'm providing access to someone. The other component of that is that things can change over time. So team members' roles will change, maybe you're working with different bookkeepers or accountants. And I think it's important to regularly review who has access to make sure that it's still relevant. And depending on how quickly things are moving in your business, that quarterly is probably fine. If things are changing super fast and you're working with a lot of people, then maybe you need to do it monthly. Um, I'd also recommend having an exit checklist. So if you had a team member leave, then you would be removing access to all of the systems, including zero. The third item related to admin is not maintaining finance standard operating procedures. I think well, finance is a part of your business, just like any other department, like marketing or operations. But it's interesting to see how few small businesses have finance standard operating procedures. And I'm defining the standard operating procedure is the how that something is done, but also it needs to be clarified who needs to do what by when. And we actually provide a number of finance SOP templates as part of our How to Do Bookkeeping in Zero course, and we'll link to that course in the show notes. Here's an example of a debtor's standard operating procedure. And this can be really simple. First of all, before we get into the how, I think it should be clear, well, who needs to do what by when? And so in this case, it might be, well, on Mondays, our admin team member needs to run the HRS equals report in zero so we can see who owes money. Then we need to have a clear action plan of what happens. What happens if if we have a customer who's a day late? What happens if they're, for example, seven days late or 14 days late? What happens? And so then in our template, there are standard emails, email templates that could be sent from friendly to gradually getting more assertive to the point that a phone call might be needed. And so by mapping all of that out, it makes it very clear and there's a standardised way to, to follow up edits. The next component 
we're getting into the last section now, which is the three biggest mistakes when reconciling bank transactions in zero. The first is not reconciling the bank account in zero to bank statements. So think about this for a moment. You, you've been doing your own bookkeeping. You've reconciled every transaction in zero, so you've allocated every transaction that has come through the bank feed to one of the accounts in the chart of accounts, and it feels great because you can. there's no more transactions to reconcile. But how do you know that every transaction came into zero through the bank feed? How do you know that there weren't any errors? How do you know that there, was, that there wasn't a break for a couple of days or there were some duplications? And while this isn't common, the bank feeds have been getting better and better with zero. That's not common, but it, it's not right 100% of the time. And the best way to check this is to run a, what's called a reconciliation report in zero, which shows there's a couple of different sections on that report, but it shows you what the expected bank statement balance is. Then you go and log into your online banking and compare what the ending balance at, at the same date is and compare it to that reconciliation report. And if it matches, then it's fine. The, you'll know that all of the transactions have come in correctly into zero. But if, if not, then it's a matter of investigating that further to figure out, well, do you need to manually add a couple of transactions into zero? The reason I'm mentioning this is because when I'm working with business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping, this step is missed more a lot more often than it's completed, which means that often the business owners are looking at incomplete data when they're looking at their reports. The next thing I wanted to talk about is some confusion around accrual accounting and bank rules. So the first component of that is what is the difference between cash and accrual accounting? And then the second component to that is if you are using accrual accounting, can you still use bank rules in zero? Well, I'm going to start by defining the difference between cash and accrual accounting. So let's use an example. If you're working with a designer and they sent you an invoice in February for $2,000 and you paid it in March, if you were doing accrual accounting, you would create a bill in zero, you would attach the receipt or you'd use HubDoc to do this for you, and this would show in your profit and loss in February based on the invoice date of February. Then when you pay it in March, it would be matched in zero and it would show in your your payables area or credits area that you no longer owe that money. Under cash accounting, it would show in your profit and loss in March when you paid for it, but it wouldn't be showing in February. So cash accounting is all about the cash timing, when did the money leave your account, whereas accrual accounting is more related to when the goods or services were provided and we're using the invoice table. So if you're using accrual accounting in zero, then when you're paying for things, you're generally using the bills function of zero. So how do bank rules play into this? Let me start by explaining that a bank rule is setting up a set of criteria to help automate and speed up the way that you reconcile bank transactions. As an example, if we use bank fees again, you your description coming through in, into your bank account 
the, the transaction might say bank fees. And so you could set up a rule that says uh, all Commonwealth Bank account, for all Commonwealth Bank accounts in, in zero or for all accounts, if the description says bank fees, then allocate the transaction to the bank fees account. And that allows you to click OK when the bank rule is activated rather than having to manually enter that information. So the reason to use bank, bank rules is to speed up processing. But if you're doing accrual accounting, then how do you know when to use bank rules? And it would only be for those repeating transactions with things like bank fees. You wouldn't be using a bank rule for things like the, the designer because the bank rule allocates the transaction on the date you pay it, whereas under accrual accounting, we're needing to use that bills function in zero so we can capture the invoice date to get the timing of the transaction in the correct month. So if I, I'll recap on that, there are differences between cash accounting and accrual accounting, and big business generally always does accrual accounting, but if you're getting started, then cash accounting it can be a good way to, to get going until your business grows enough that the cost benefit of doing accrual accounting is there. So if you are doing accrual, if you are doing accrual accounting, there are still situations where you can use bank rules, but generally you would be using the bills area of zero rather than bank rules. The, the third mis- common mistake I see when it comes to reconciling transactions is business owners not knowing how to handle transactions where they're paying themselves or they've they're paid for business expenses but they did it on their personal card. The component around paying yourself, there's depending on your business structure and also the way that you're paying yourself, so whether it's wages through payroll, whether it's director's fees or whether you're paying something like distributions or dividends, Depending on which of those categories it is, it will go to a different account in zero or be treated a slightly different different way. And we go into more detail about how to do that in our How to Do Bookkeeping in Zero course. The second component of that is, well, what do you do if you you just had the wrong card with you, but you actually did buy something for the business and you had to put it on your personal card? But there's ways of capturing that in zero as well. And the mistake I see is that it's just left. And so then you miss out on claiming those tax deductions, but also your accounts don't truly reflect what's happened with the business because it's missing some transactions. And so you can add those costs into zero manually. So to recap on that, we've covered three common mistakes relating to setting zero up administrative mistakes, and then three common mistakes related to reconciling bank transactions. We actually cover a number of these topics in our How to Do Bookkeeping in Zero course. And if you do the mentorship version of that course, we have five weekly mentoring calls, so a call for each of the five modules. And during those calls, you have an opportunity to ask questions and also get feedback about specific areas of your business. We talked about the importance of having a chart of accounts that makes sense for your business. And so as part of that course, we if you're doing the mentorship option, then we actually provide direct feedback, individual feedback on your chart of accounts 
as it relates to your business and your industry. So I hope that's been helpful. And I love helping when it comes to accounting, bookkeeping and zero. So if you do have any questions, feel free to drop them in the comments below or contact us, Ninjas, on social media.